This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Schneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Well, we had so much demand for this topic that we are going to talk about it again, and that is symptoms. Not all symptoms are created equal, and while most of the time a sore back or a headache are nothing to worry about, Dr. Zach Levine says there are some symptoms you should report right away, you should pay attention to right away. And in addition, Dr. Zach is going to take your phone calls on any topic that you would like to ask him about. So the numbers to call... 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And Zach, hi, how are you? I'm very well, thanks. How are you? I'm fine. Good. So first of all, is there any easy way to distinguish between something that's nothing and something that's uh, a big deal? <laughs> uh, only in certain cases. Often, it, often it's not uh, that obvious. And, you know, doctors use, like anyone else, we just, we use clues. So there are certain red flags. You mentioned two very common symptoms, headache and back pain. And, and yes, like you're saying, like the vast majority of back pain, for example, like at least 90% is, uh, is benign. You know, it just goes away with time. But so we look for red flags, and the red flags are things like, uh, well, a trauma. So you may have a, a fracture, things that may worry us about uh, cancer, so things like a history of cancer or night sweat, fever or chills, unexplained weight loss. Um, people who use IV drugs are, are uh, at risk of having infections in their spine. And, and certainly if people have neurological symptoms, so weakness or numbness in the legs or in the saddle area or urinary or fecal incontinence, those are all things. So, so it's whatever goes along with the symptom that gives us some clues that it may be something uh, more dangerous than just a run-of-the-mill symptom. Okay, what about uh, swelling in the legs? Yeah, so swelling in the leg, you know, possibly a lot of people have experienced some swelling in the leg. What we're worried about, usually, especially with a unilateral, one swollen leg where the other one is not swollen, the main thing that always comes to uh, doctors' minds, and a lot of non-doctors too, is a blood clot, a, a DVT, deep vein thrombosis. And the reason that's important, the reason that it's important to diagnose is that not necessarily for it being in the leg. And this is, sorry, just to specify, it's a blood clot in the vein this, to be distinguished. Because if you have a blood clot in an artery, a big artery in the leg, then you would have you know, excruciating pain. You, the leg would become uh, pale uh, and, uh, and uh, cold. And uh, so that's different. That means that you're not getting blood supply to the leg. This is a venous blood clot. And the danger of that is it can go up to your lungs, and, and a blood clot in the lungs can be life-threatening. Uh, when it goes to the lungs, it's called the pulmonary embolus. So, and the risk factors for that are any kind of immobility. So if you've gone on a long trip, especially a flight more than five hours, uh, at recent surgery, pregnancy, uh, cancer, uh, having cancer or being on chemotherapy for cancer, or hormone, uh, being on hormone therapy. Those are all increase your risk for having a DVT. And of course, you know, sometimes a swollen leg is just a swollen leg 
from, you know, if you injure yourself, you twist your ankle and you have pain in your ankle, you know, it, it doesn't, we don't start thinking, oh, this is a deep vein thrombosis. However, if there's no reason for you to have a swollen leg and you just got off uh, a 10-hour flight from the Middle East or whatnot, then, you know, you have to, you have to rule this out. Mm-hmm. And uh, how much time do you have? I mean, say you notice this after a flight. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you have a week or a day or you got to get yourself to the doctor right away? You know, it should be. Usually you do have some time. Uh, I would say if you notice this, if you have a unilateral painful leg and it's and, and there's no reason for it, then you should ideally get it looked at the same day. Now, most of the time, you know, most of the time, if you wait a day, it'll be fine. But it, there's no safe. It's sort of like uh, uh, sort of like uh, drinking in pregnancy. You you can't say a safe amount. There's no you can't say oh you know this amount of time is safe because you never know. It's possible that this could go up to your lungs that same day. And certainly, I would I would hate to for someone to wait, even in that even if it's you know a less than 10% chance that uh, they get something up to their lungs the same day. It's still 10% that you don't want to take a chance from. So if you notice that, it's worth getting it checked out. It may be, uh, you know, if you're able to see your doctor, he may be able to examine you and just say, you know, you don't need any further testing. It's just, you know, it's just a muscle tear or whatnot. But if you're not sure, uh, and if your doctor's not sure, what they'll do is organize. The, really, the way to diagnose it is with an ultrasound. It's, and, you know, as you know, ultrasound is it's pretty quick and it's, there's no radiation to it. And then you can be sure that it's not a blood clot. Okay, let's go to Donna in Vineland. Hi, Donna. Hi, uh, Levy. How are you? Fine. How are you? Uh, I'm fine, thank you. I just actually had a quick question. I, uh, for quite some time now, I've had some ringing in my ears. Mm. But for me, the odd thing is, is I generally only have it in the evening. Mm. Is is that normal? Not normal. <laughs> Well, uh, let me ask you one thing, Donna. Have you had it checked out? Have you seen any doctor about it? Or you just uh, been no, I haven't. Okay. So, I mean, basically, uh, just to start with, ringing in the ears is is quite common. I don't know the, the numbers, but certainly, you know, it's something that we see all the time. And usually it's benign in the sense that it's not, like, life-threatening, but it can be. You know, I've certainly seen people who are really, really, uh, their their quality of life is very affected by it. So, so and uh, by the way, the medical term for it is tinnitus. Yes. Uh, and it's and uh, it can be ri- some most people feel uh, experience ringing, but it can also be buzzing or a rushing sound. But uh, basically, it's usually from something happening in the inner ear. And the reason the reason it's worth checking out is in, in some cases it's just something that's quite reversible. Anyway, I will answer your question, which is: is it is it normal that it happens? First, the first thing is: is it normal generally? Well. It's common. I don't, you know, nothing's normal that uh, that that isn't normal for you. So, if uh, something new, so uh, then maybe it's not normal for you. But it may not be something dangerous. The question about whether it's more common at night, certainly, uh, uh, just sort of anecdotally, certainly I've uh, met people who have it more at night. Another thing that's very common is that people who have uh, tinnitus or ringing in the ears. It may be there at other times, but they notice it more at quiet times because they don't have other things that are distracting their senses. So it may be that. But I would certainly encourage you to get it checked out because sometimes, you know, if there is just some fluid behind the eardrum or an infection, uh, that is potentially something that could just be cured and you'd be rid of this ringing sound forever, hopefully. Okay, now do do I see my GP for that, or do I go for a hearing test? What what's the correct process for I that? I mean, I would certainly start by seeing your GP, 
it, because but you're right uh, frequently if if you cuz someone needs to just take a look in the ear cuz your your gp may just be able to see something that's quite treatable uh but then frequently if the ear looks fine uh, you will be sent for a hearing test and or to an ear, nose, and throat specialist who could do more specialized testing. But the first first thing to do would be, yes, absolutely, go see your doctor, and at least they can take a look in and see if there's anything obvious. Okay, perfect. Well, well thank you very much. You're My welcome. Pleasure. Bye. Bye. Okay, let's go to Christina in Toronto. Hello, Christina. Hi. Thanks Hi. for taking my call. Um, I About a decade ago, I noticed when I was doing my errands, walking about, and not on a hot day, it could even be in the wintertime, I can get extremely warm, Mm -hmm. um, basically my upper body, Mm -hmm. and uh, before I know it, I'm so warm that I am sweating profusely off the top of my head, literally the top of my head, and it gets really embarrassing in public because I've got, like, streams of perspiration coming down my face and it's not like I finished my marathon or anything like that I'm just walking that's hot flash no it's not a hot flash because I've gone to several specialists to find out what it what it could be and it never occurs while I'm sleeping or at night never Mm. never it's only when I'm walking about all of a sudden I'll get really warm and before I know it um I'm I'm sweating off the top of my head, literally rivers of perspiration coming down my temples. It's really embarrassing. Huh. Well, that's a that uh, that's a tough one. And you said, especially because it sounds like you've already seen a few doctors, eh? And they haven't been I able have, to figure it out because it started well. It started about nine years ago, so almost a decade. Yeah. And what have they? I assume they've ruled a few things out. You mentioned that they do not think it's hot flashes. Um, no, it's not they, hot. They've done other tests. I've had my blood, blood tests. tested several times, yeah. like with different specialists, and okay. and nobody nobody can find an answer for it. And now that it's getting warmer, the the probability of it occurring is even it's growing every time it warms up. You know, yeah. with the mild weather. I just yeah. find it really excruciatingly um, uh, embarrassing to be in a store and all of a sudden I'm just sweating like. It's just like buckets of water coming down my face. And yeah, my whole scalp yeah. is wet and my hair is wet. You know, not to the tips, but, you know, immediate, you know, my entire scalp. Yeah. No, I can certainly understand so how that's... I throw that out because it's definitely a very personal case, and I'm just curious whether you've ever heard or encountered anything similarly. Okay, let's... Uh, Dr. Zach... Yeah, I can certainly understand why it's distressing, and there's two aspects to it. So number one, which it sounds like you tried to do already, but uh, they haven't found anything, is, is, yeah, what the cause of it is. The fact that it's only in one area of the body uh, makes it less likely that it's sort of a systemic issue. So obviously, well, maybe not obviously, but certainly doctors would always think of hormonal issues. So it sounds like they've ruled out uh, it being hot flashes, uh, probably they've looked into things like your thyroid and whatnot. And, but sometimes, but they're, they're certainly true that some people have uh, sweating or, or profuse or abundant sweating in certain parts of the body. And the, the, the second part to the treatment, the first thing is trying to discover exactly what the cause is, if it's systemic. But the second part is, uh, have you seen, have you seen a dermatologist uh, about it? Uh, 
Zach, um, she's just listening to your answer. Oh, okay, okay, no, no problem. So, I would recommend, uh, you know, I would follow up with whatever specialist, uh, you know, tell them, you know, it's still going on, and see if they can find the cause. But the other person, the other specialist that is specialized in dealing with this sort of thing, and uh, sort of hyper sweating type of things, is a dermatologist. Uh, and it's not uncommon for people to have excessive sweating. The scalp is not the most common place. You know, as people are probably aware, some people get very sweaty palms. Some people have very sweat, uh, sweaty armpits. And there are treatments available. I mean, it doesn't, it's not necessarily treating the cause if it's something like a hormonal imbalance. But in some people, it's just that that area of the body uh, is just more prone to letting out the sweat than other places. And there are local treatments that are available. Either Sometimes it's cream, sometimes it's spray, sometimes it's injections that can actually prevent it, uh, prevent that area from sweating too much. Now, oh. it, it, her oh. case is a little bit more uh, complicated because she never knows when it's coming on, but uh, the, those treatments would still be effective. Okay, yeah, let's uh, go to Joan in Oshawa. Hi, Joan. Hi, Lily. How are you today? Fine. How are you? Oh, not too bad. How's Dr. Zach? (laughs) (laughs) I'm doing fine. Thanks, Joan. Oh, great. I have two um, problems. I'm going to make them quick because I know you get busy. Um, Number one, that lady that just called, I have the opposite. My face and neck go beet red, and Mm. my body gets very hot, and so do my arms and legs now. And I've had it for years, and they they outruled uh, rosacea and uh, uh, hormonal balances and everything. And I'm just wondering what causes it, because mm-hmm. my face gets beat, beat red, and part of my neck, and okay. then the rest follows. Uh, it doesn't get red, but it gets very hot. Uh huh. And I'm wondering what the heck's causing it. Have you noticed? Does it come on? Does anything bring it on, Joan? Not really. It can come on any time. Um, I can be, uh, you know, doing dishes or I can be just walking or sitting relaxing. And it'll, you know, it starts first with the face and then it goes to the neck and then the rest, <laughs> the rest of me. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's very, very aggravating. I have to, I put an eczema on my face to try uh-huh. and cool it off. First, I'll use cold water for yeah. my face and neck. And even my palms, everything gets gets very, very hot. I feel like I'm in an oven. And in the summertime, it's murder. And we don't have air conditioning. Hmm. Oh, boy. And it's just brutal. So I can imagine what that lady's going through, except with me, it's the heat. Okay, yes. Uh, well, I think with her, it's the heat, too. Uh, Zach, do you have any recommendations? Well, certainly. I mean, I, well, two of the, the two things you mentioned are certainly the things we think of, so rosacea and hormonal issues. The, another one that comes to mind definitely is medications. So you'd have to go through your medications because what's happening is your, your blood vessels at the surface of your skin are, are dilating, so the, the blood is going to your skin, and that's usually used by the body. It, it happens in cases when, uh, well, when the body's trying to cool off, but it makes us feel quite warm. Um, but yes, there has to be a, a trigger. And so the, if rosacea and hormonal things have been ruled out, then certainly I would I would look through the medications because that's also a very common cause of that sort of thing. I, I don't know if that's been done. Actually, yeah. right now, my face yeah. is hot and my neck. 
Uh-huh. Well, have you know what? Ha- have a look at your medications. You could get a pharmacist to do a meds check. That's a very, Absolutely. very good yeah. advice. Thanks yes, for your definitely. call, Joan. And the other uh, thing that I wanted to mention. Uh, we just have about a minute left. Okay, I'm going to try and take. Fast. How, uh, ma- how many CAT scans can a person have without being the, the body being compromised? Uh, I had three cat- already in, in uh, every six months. Yeah. Uh, well, Joan, the good news is uh, you're right. The CAT scans involve radiation, and we do worry about it. From the studies I've read, once you hit a certain age, and the age that was quoted to me is 55, your risk uh, isn't, uh, isn't really affected. So, I mean, if you're, for example, if you have 25 CAT scans when you're a child, that certainly increases your risk of radiation exposure-induced cancers. However, once you hit 55, uh, any further CAT scans should not increase your risk of cancers that will actually shorten your lifespan. Okay, we're going to try and get one more call in before we go. Uh, Bob in Burlington, we have only about a minute left. Okay, thank you. Um, I'm 67 years old, and in the last, say, four or five months, I've noticed my legs very, very weak. Hmm. I phoned my pharmacist, and he suggested that I stop taking Crestor. Because okay. one of the one of the symptoms is very weak legs or a lot of pain, but I have no pain. Anyways, okay. I just wondered if Dr. Zach has any suggestions. I've, I'm d- trying to do squat exercises at work, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah. I wonder if you have any other suggestions. Well, it's tough. Anyway, Bob, I mean, it's something that definitely needs to be ruled out, uh, checked out. The crest door stopping is is a good idea if because of those medications, the statins, if they cause pain or weakness then they definitely need to be stopped. It can lead to a dangerous side effect. However, um, in terms of the cause, obviously it's pretty tough to say from here, but uh, the concern would definitely be uh, about your nerves, you know, especially the nerves in your lower spine that give you the strength in your legs mm-hmm. or, or something muscular. So what you'd really need, I, I have to say, you really have to get checked out because what they can do is they can determine, with a blood test they can check if there's muscle breakdown. And if they don't think it's from the muscles, if they think it's the nerves, they can do tests to check the muscles, such as an EMG, which is an electromyogram. They can check if the nerve function is actually working properly. So I I would definitely encourage you to get it checked out by a doctor um, because there's a few things that it could be, but, you know, it needs to be diagnosed so they can reverse it. Very good. Thank you very much. Thanks, Bob. Okay, bye. Bye. You're you're welcome. Uh, That's all the time we have. Dr. Zach, thanks so much for that. Thank you very much. Always a pleasure. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.